0: There's the mad professor, and he's conducting more electrical experiments.
1: Stephen King, Stephen
0: King, Stephen Stephen King, King. King. so many damn books. books. King cows, cows. cows. thunder, (laughs) lightning, etc.
1: Well, here's the thing, Stephen King. Stephen King, one of our, honestly, one of my favorite
0: authors. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my absolute, like, top five, if not top three, favorite authors. Really? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's not there for me, but I, I love, I love him. I, I when he speaks and like when he like comes down from on high and, and talks to us I just feel like everyone should listen everyone, everyone shut up yeah because Stephen King's talking
0: it's that thing the minute he's one of the few authors who it's that thing of like I don't care what it is there's an announcement that he's got a new book out and I'm like I'm there Uncle Stevie I can't wait <laughs> Uncle Stevie that was that was when he signed off his uh his EW column as for a while. <laughs> Uncle Steve,
1: he's disgusting. <laughs> Do, don't indulge him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But okay. No, I agree. I, I agree. And, and and when he um when he rec- you know, he's got a Twitter now. He does. And when he rec- and when he recommends something on Twitter, I'm like I'm into it. You know, I'm, I'll read it. He, yeah, he recommended Alex Markwood's uh, "The Killer Next Door," and I read that because yeah. he said so. Oh, because Stephen King said so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I I, I I trust him, and I and I think that he's he's better than people give him credit for. He's also worse than people give him credit for. He's so interesting on so many levels. Well,
0: there are so few authors who have a breadth of work like he does. I mean, the guy has been pumping out books for almost 30 years more than
1: um no 40 yeah because yeah carrie came out Carrie came
0: out in the late 70s yeah
1: 79 or 78 um, I, I actually have in my notes here stephen king is the stephen king of our time <laughs> stephen king is the stephen king of our time he's singular you know there's no one like him there's, there's no, no one like there's him. no one there's no one that's been like him there's no one you know People don't give the credit to like Joyce Carol Oates, who is like his female counterpart of releasing two books a year, or, like a book a year.
0: Right. And but also, it, I think, I mean, no disrespect to her.
1: Yeah, she she doesn't have the following.
0: No, and it I think some of that has to do with the fact that, and it it ends up being a knock against King that he is a he's a populist writer. It's so
1: funny because he's become a populist writer and he is, he writes for he writes for a very wide audience but i think that is no plan of his like he mm-hmm. happens to write in the most popular form like he happens to be popular but it's not because he's like i am writing the popular book he oh, can't yeah. do anything else
0: there's definitely a universe in which he is he is writing for a super niche audience just because popular tastes are different right uh, what
1: a weird universe that is yeah seriously but and, i mean
0: He the breadth even of his work, the fact that he can write a straight up crime novel. Yeah. He can write a straight up horror novel. He can write a novel that has neither of those things. Mm -hmm. Like he's written a couple of novels that are just He wrote that great young adult book. Yeah. Uh The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Um just plain old literary fiction. He's written on writing, which is one of I think one of the one of the best um memoirs about the craft.
1: And also Weirdly, I don't I couldn't find this attributed anywhere, but it's also his best selling book of all time. I've heard that. On writing is his best selling book of all time. Yeah. And I think that's because people who aren't interested who have never read a Stephen King book in their life are fascinated by how he does it. Right. Because they want to know, like, what what is it? And he starts it so beautifully where he's like, "Uh, we're both at a table in a dark room. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And he's just like, I'm creating that. That's magic. And and it's something that I can't, I've never been able to state succinctly, and this is his power, Mm -hmm. is that, like, that's the magic of fiction, is he described a table with a red tablecloth. And I know exactly in my mind what he's talking about. And that's not because he's a great writer or anything. It's because fiction is magic where you can make something that appeared in your head appear in my head.
0: Right. And he, I, I will say that I think he does have, for better or for worse, a special, not unique necessarily, and not something that is like other people can get this. Yeah. But he has a very special conduit to that magic. Yeah, and he has he has been lucky enough to be in the right circumstances in order to turn that into what f- over fifty books now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rolling
1: Stone posted this great interview with him where he says like, you know, it's like a storm in my head, mm-hmm. and I just have to get it out. And it's and it's almost like he's talking about like like an addiction or a sickness where he's well, just like, and and he was addicted mm-hmm. to various drugs over the course of his time, as you know, if you've read on writing. One of my favorite um, um, anecdotes from that book is that he sort of like woke up from a cocaine binge and had Cujo on his desk.
0: Yeah. Well, somebody, I forget who I was reading recently, but somebody said like, there are these books that you will always know for other reasons. Like Cujo is the one that he doesn't remember writing. Mm-hmm. Like that has, that, that fact has become a piece of popular culture as important as the novel itself. Right. Right. Which, what other author can I, I, I cannot think of another author who has, certainly in the modern context anyway, who has that sort of... Like a creation myth w- along with a novel. Yeah. Yeah. But so, all right, I would like to ask you a question sure. about about Stephen King. Ask what's your, away. what's your earliest Stephen King memory? Oh, sure. Um,
1: it's pretty, it's actually pretty live in my mind. Um, I was, there was a, there's a bookshelf. Not in my parents' library. It's outside of the library, um, where they put like the Rex Stout and Agatha Christies, mm-hmm. where uh, Stephen King was living for a while. Not the first editions, which my dad has in the in the glass case, but the um, it was a Nightmare and Dreamscape, the oh, collection yeah. of his short stories, which I I think is his his secret strength and power is he is he's an amazing short story writer yes one of the best and that that's not like that's not like one of the best popular fiction no he's just literally one of the best short story writers of all time Mm -hmm. it was one of the very first like connections of a book like to my dad like talking about a book with my father Mm -hmm. was talking about nightmares and dreamscapes and telling him that it scared me cool so that's one of my earliest that's my earliest king memory what's yours
0: I think mine is, um, I was at the Outer Banks with my family. We used to go every summer for a week and everybody was out of the house except for me. Like everybody else had gone shopping or something. And I was like, ah, I want to stick around. Cause it so was a, sixth grade, you're what? 12? Sixth grade, I was 11. but I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's a, it was a stormy day. It was not a hurricane, but it was like a big thunderstorm. So there was no beach. So they were like, we're all going to go shopping. And I was like, I want to stay here and read. And I read. I understand that. Yeah. Right. I read almost the entirety of *The Shining* that day. I had started it the, a couple days before, like on the way to the beach. Yeah, you were talking
1: about this earlier. It's something that I can't even. I can't do even now. And in is is sitting for more than an hour and reading.
0: <sighs> yeah. Like, there's
1: always something that like comes up where it's like, oh, I gotta make dinner, or I gotta clean this thing that I suddenly remembered I have to clean or whatever it is. There's something about childhood reading where you could just sit and for five hours and your body is young enough that like, there's no such thing as like your neck getting right, a yeah, crick seriously. in it. Although
0: yeah. I, I did the exact same thing with revival actually when I was home for Thanksgiving, uh, was when I read it cause it had just come out. I read I it over like,
1: Thanksgiving too. Yeah. Like
0: I needed to read it. I don't know why. And I sat for like four hours reading the book. And I think it's, there is. It a- just
1: flows. I mean, it flows. He
0: he makes you turn
1: the page. I don't know. It's, it's, it's his peculiar magic.
0: Well, that happened with me. I was reading The Shining. And I had not seen the movie. I knew nothing about it other than people told me it is his scariest book. And I was like, well, great. Let's do this. Let's. I'm a 12 years old. Give it to me. I just, I have never been more simultaneously terrified in, in a very real way. Just utter, sheer terror. But I couldn't put the book down because I was like, well, if I put the book down, my brain's just going to run with this. Yeah. So if I keep reading, maybe I'll get to the end eventually. And it just keeps building and crazy stuff is happening. And with maybe 50 pages left, uh, my parents and my sister and my uncle came back. And like I heard that, and they came upstairs, and I was like, "Nobody talk to me right now. I, like, I need, I need some space because I had to finish this thing. Because otherwise, I just would have been utterly terrified for the yeah. rest of my life." Yeah. And like right now, I just I'm Calm getting down, Drew. I'm getting so excited just thinking about it. But that, I mean, that made a reader for life. It's 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 an undefinable
1: thing. If it was definable, everyone would be doing it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And and so many people have pointed to like oh it's his short sentences. It's the it's his Americana. It's the fact that he always says what's on the television. You know, it's <laughs> like which is true actually. If yeah. if a television is on, he'll he will say what show the oh, character yeah. is watching. Even if it has nothing to do with the book. Um
0: But it's like it's that lovely amount of background noise.
1: Yeah. To me, it's almost something that I want to leave unexplored. Like I just kind of want to just want to consume his books and just not even think about how he does it more than just like, it's so, I'm so glad that he is doing it. Mm -hmm. And that even though he, you know, rumors of his retirement have been grossly over exaggerated.
0: I mean, I remember after, after the car accident, he was like sitting down is painful. I'm not going to, and since the car accident, he has been more prolific than he was previously.
1: And, and a lot of people have said that like, they haven't liked a book since the car accident, which is insane. Um, who are you? You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I mean don't. just
0: flat out you're, <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong.
1: If you're listening to this and you think that you're you're wrong. Um but it's it's interesting too because he's he is strangely polarizing in in the literary community where yeah. uh, I don't remember what award he was up for. It was the National Book Award. Oh. He got
0: it wasn't for any particular book but it was like they a were lifetime just like, achievement There you go. Basically.
1: You wrote a lot of books. But it was I, he he no one does
0: what he does. Yeah, and so why not? What 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 problem could you have? I mean, I I forget if I said this to you or if I said this to someone else. Sure. Um, but I'm gonna I'll say it to you now. And we'll find say it, out. Say it again. I, for my money, he is the most important American author working today. Reliably, the pleasure that I get from reading a Stephen King novel, even if it's.
1: But what is it? I mean, like even when Stephen King isn't. At his highest powers, which I I do believe revival is not high Stephen King. Um but it's I think it's middle Stephen it's King. Middle. It's middle. Yeah, it's not low. Yeah. Yo. It's no Dolores Claiborne. It's
0: no Gerald's game. <laughs> I'm glad we both have
1: our like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. That is worst. Ooh. Uh but he even at his worst, you still finish the book. Yeah. You know, you, you can't not.
0: Well, and I think that's what so many people want to discount him
1: the the weakness of king though is is that he always he's dealing with the same things. He he does he does have his his favorites and he does and he is only one man with his one mind. Yep. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if you can really fault him for that at this point because it's just like look, he's 50 novels in like <laughs>
0: Right. Like, he's, 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 he's writing is what he, who knows. he is. He's doing yeah. Yeah,
1: and he is writing what he knows as much as like as much as you can know haunted hotels and, you know, demon dogs. I, I the question I wanted to ask you was what you know, you've read a lot of Stephen King. What yeah. is your um do you have a favorite?
0: Do I have a favorite?
1: Similar to the way that he um he like always tells what his character is watching on television. Yeah. Like I feel like if you were writing a book and you told um what your character's favorite Stephen King book is at that moment, you could know so much about that character. Yeah. Because they all speak to a very specific, you know, mindset.
0: I don't know. I genuinely like this is always the cop out. I don't know that I can pick one. So I'm what I'm gonna do is real quick, I'm gonna rattle off four broadly. <laughs> okay. But like they're they're important to me for different reasons. I fair think fair enough objectively I think the best even though the ending is such a it's such a cop out and it made me so mad is um The Stand okay because he for the large majority of this immense book he does everything that he does well he does America he does why America's falling apart he does why America is great he does really really like oh my god I'm gonna pee my pants I'm so scared horror mm-hmm Right. There's a novel that he wrote relatively recently. I mean, I guess it's about 10 years, almost 10 years now, maybe, maybe less, called Lisey's Story. hmm Which, when I read it, that was the first one that made me think, whoa, this guy can do things that I had no idea. Um, the Shining is still just, at the end of the day, like, the scares that I got from that book have never been replicated True. ever. But then also... The, the entire Dark Tower series is such an achievement, not just because he wrote seven books and like there are there are a bunch of problems with that series.
1: I love I love how Harry Potter obsessed he gets from. like Yeah,
0: I know. From books five to seven. Uh, yeah. After Harry Potter's Yeah. But he <laughs> the fact that he uses that universe to then also sort of exist. At one point he called it the Jupiter in his solar system of fiction. But realistically, it's the sun everything somehow connects to that series. Right.
1: How do you feel about the Stephen King shared universe? Do you think that it's my favorite it makes, thing. Yeah.
0: I, I adore it. And the fact that David Mitchell did it with, but, yeah, his I, that, series.
1: that's what I was thinking during, Not with, series, with Boeing, boat. with bone clocks. I, w- I was thinking like, Oh, you're doing the Stephen King thing with the shared universe, which is like, which is like, I, I mean, it totally makes sense to me because like the shared universe is truly, it's not like Stephen King's books, it's Stephen King's head. Yeah. Like you're, you're, he's connecting all of his disparate like nodes in his brain. You could upload these 50 books to a consciousness of a robot and you would probably get a pretty clear Stephen King <laughs> robot automaton afterwards. Yeah.
0: All well, right. On, in that vein,
1: give me your favorites. I have favorites too. Yeah, I, my my two favorites, and we've actually already talked about them both, is Eyes of the Dragon, and Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. Oh, and and and, the, and Eyes of the Dragon is like if you just read one Stephen King book, I really feel like you'd be like, oh, his forty nine other books are fantasy books, because he he it, like did the absolute best fantasy novel. In one shot. Oh yeah, it's and it's incredible. I love fantasy novels, and I like to read the best ones. And that one is one of the best fantasy novels ever written. And eleven twenty two sixty three, it's it's like the best time travel book. Like when he like puts his mind to like I'm gonna write like the thing he he does the he, thing he does yeah. it and he, and it's a great version of time travel, which is something that I've like I. I don't like the machine time travel. I like the um like the Jack Finney version where you're um where you're like you have to put on the costume and live in the like that era yeah. and then suddenly you're just there. Um or, or like the time slip version which is Stephen King's version of in 11 2263 where behind this random um convenience store is a portal to this one year. His books can be more than their parts. Yes, they can. They can speak to a larger portion of just the story that they're saying, and and something like I don't know. I love that Glenn M- Miller orchestra song that he keeps referring to. Yeah. Like when you when you hear that. Now, every time I hear that song, I think about the Stephen King book. And yeah. that's sort of like the magic of of, of real world um, references that he
0: puts in. I mean, that actually is something cool about Revival. Yeah. Is that he, a lot of the stuff that uh, Jamie Morton, the main character, mm-hmm. is, is a, a rhythm guitar player.
1: Right. He's not a lead. He's not a lead. And he's, he's a rhythm not, guitar player. Yeah. And actually, that really speaks to um, my level of guitar playing, <laughs> as I've never been very good, but I could totally be a rhythm guitar player.
0: Well, he too <laughs> is a rhythm guitar player in the Rock Bottom Remainders. And I One went- of my favorite
1: um, character beats in this less watched sitcom, Happy Endings, is one of the characters, their favorite band is the Rock Bottom
0: Remainder. <laughs> 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 Amazing.
1: <laughs> Like, that's, that's a joke for, like... For, like, two people. 0.5% of the population, and it might be why that show was canceled. <laughs> but, man, was I laughing when when Dave said that his favorite band is
0: Rock Bottom Remainders. But, like, most of the songs that, that are spoken of specifically and the chord changes and all that stuff are songs that the Rock Bottom Remainders play. And just that, that talking about getting up on stage as a musician and playing those songs and looking up then that, like, oh, yeah, those are the songs that the Rock Bottom Remainders played. And that sense of, like, yeah, you just capture not only what it is to to play music on stage, but, like, what it is to play that music on stage specifically.
1: Write what you know. Yeah. Like a
0: lot of people, I think you
1: you end up, like, wondering what his family life is like. And actually, that New York Times article from last year he which is a which is a story of like the new what what it's like to be in the king family. Yeah. And he his his wife, his and his two sons all right, all are writers. His daughter is the one person who yeah, doesn't who does write. Right. And she's like a preacher, right? Yeah. So interesting. But but yeah, when you he's got the, there's this moment that I love in that in that king family thing where um the writer asks him like oh you have a lot of like projects in the in the fire like you've got a lot of books that i know you're writing like you know you're you're older like what do you have a like a contingency plan if if you happen to not live before you finish writing these books and he says like oh yeah my son joe can write them
0: yeah i mean
1: and it's like you have two writers <laughs>
0: I is, would hate to be Ho-
1: Owen in that moment.
0: Owen is writing not in the King family style. Whereas- he really
1: isn't. I, I mean, I read Double Feature um, by Owen King, partially because it's got a really rave review from Larry McMurtry on the cover. Mm-hmm. And and Lonesome Dove is one of my top five favorite books I've ever written. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel like Owen King... He hasn't written his book yet. He hasn't. Right. He hasn't like figured out who, what his voice is. Double feature, isn't it? Um, Whereas, I mean, Joe, Joe, yeah,
0: is like I remember saying this in in the review that I wrote of Nosferatu, Joe's most recent book.
1: Right, and that's written N 0s letter four. I mean number four. A, a two Like it's a license number plate Number two yeah. If
0: you could try to fit Nosferatu on a license plate How would you do it? That's how it's written
1: And and also that book um, speaks to me as a deep Christmas fan
0: Yeah, 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 yeah
1: <laughs> Like he makes Christmas creepy and I don't hate him for it
0: But <laughs> that book, it does what Stephen King does Right And it does it better And oh, I remember it, But it does
1: uh, Better
0: it does. Better? Yeah. Better? Yeah.
1: I'm trying to give you the chance to say, oh, maybe not.
0: No, because I think that... Yeah.
1: Better in what way? Come on.
0: Better in the sense that... Stephen King had to find... <laughs> I was going to
1: say, I see you're at a loss for words, sir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he Stephen King had to find his voice. Mm-hmm. And like... Those early books, even Carrie, like. But here's the thing:
1: he he had his voice. Carrie is amazing, and then right after that, he wrote Salem Salem's, Salem's lot, lot, which
0: is amazing, and but The
1: Shining. So he had his voice.
0: He did, but you look at those books versus the books that he's written recently, which I think, which he, a
1: lot of people would say are not as good.
0: Yeah, but again, they're wrong. We said that earlier. Today. <laughs> I know. <but> I'm just. <laughs> he, but I'm, here's the thing: I'm trying
1: to be the devil's advocate here.
0: The thing that I think that I have my hands up, I don't I know why. you really do it. Um, <laughs> the thing that Joe pulls off is that it it seemed like it's what would happen if you were Stephen King's kid and yeah. you grew up in this world, like in this creepy house in Maine that looks like the Adams family house. Like it's a it's an old Victorian. They don't actually live there. They did. When, when Joe was a kid, they did. Do you think they did?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like he bought that house so that, like...
0: So that he could be so like, that's like,
1: where I live. That's where I like, live. Like, and, and it looks exactly like the house Stephen King would own, and then he bought, like, an apartment like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> six wow. blocks away. Like, how often do you really think he spends time there? But even- Especially in that recent, in, this, in that Rolling Stone interview I was talking about, he actually says, like, oh, yeah, we don't live there yeah, anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're, they're mostly in Florida nowadays. But um, regardless, of like, but growing up, Thirty years ago, when when Joe was born,
1: right, and and one of the great things from that earlier from the New York Times,
0: the family article, yeah, Yeah,
1: he's got that great um um sort of fact about his family where if you lost a bet or if you were grounded in the Stephen King household, you um you had to read a, a book that Stephen King wanted to read out loud on audio tape so he could listen to it while he drove around. Yep, and so he has these like. Tapes and tapes of, of all of his children, children <laughs> reading books that he wanted to read out loud to him, but which re- sound amazing. Like that's, I'm going to do that.
0: Oh yeah, but like <laughs> great ideas. I remember, idea, I remember saying <laughs> that like it felt like this was the book where Joe stepped up and was like, "All right, I'm do I'm doing this and I'm going toe to toe with my dad." And I remember Joe ended up reading the review that I wrote. You're kidding. Oh yeah, and he how did. He, that's cool, I have man. no idea, and he ended up reaching out to me no and saying something, yeah, and being like, you know, I really enjoy it, but like, I'm I'm not in competition with my dad, and I wrote back to him, I was like, dude, I know, but like, you are doing the same thing that he's doing, and you're doing it as well, if not better, and he was like, well, thanks, my dad says the same thing, and I was like, yeah, he does, because that's what dads are supposed to say, but I don't know, there's just something that... Element of like growing up around all of that. Of course, you're gonna come out of the gate and write three really amazing. Like *Heartshaped Box*, *Horns*, and *Nosferatu* are three amazing scary novels. Yeah. That beat, for my money, *Carrie*, *Salem's Lot*, and *The Shining*. Like they're not as abjectly scary, but I think they're better novels.
1: I uh, I have only read *Nosferatu* and and *Carrie* out of those, so I can't speak to it. But I. I, we'll, we'll
0: revisit this someday. My,
1: my um,
0: as old men instinct, in a retirement home in Florida. My instinct is to say you're super wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, regardless, let's speak. Let's speak to uh, Mr. King's latest novel, Revival. Yeah. No, now I lost my page somehow. Though. All right. Well, while you're looking for that, yeah, you read your Because we bit. we we've been talking about the two things that he does really well. One, he does he Americana
1: does, very well,
0: and then he does horror really well. Exactly. Uh, this excerpt from Revival, it's not exactly horror, but it's it's unsettling in a really great way. And
1: it starts the unsettling part of the book.
0: Yes, because the first part of the book is not at all really unsettling. Not at all. But so... Something, I said. Something, something, something. Happened. Happened. Something happened. happened. Something happened, happened. Something happened, happened something. Stop that. You're all right. But he didn't sound sure. He sounded scared. The headphones were gone. I tried to get up and shot one hand in the air instead, like a second grader who knows the right answer and is dying to give it. Something, something, something happened, 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 something happened. He slapped me and hard. I jerked backwards and would have fallen over if the chair hadn't been placed almost directly against the metal side of the workshop. I lowered my hand, stopped repeating, and just looked at him. I mean, it's this, this this, thing of like, okay, something happened. What? And it just that way that immediately you're unstable. There's this sense of like, okay, things have changed. What has changed? You don't know. The character doesn't know. But something has changed and it has unsettled everything. Right. And so the story
1: of Revival is it's this... Um, boy who's growing up and um, he meets this um, preacher charles jacobs Mm -hmm. in his youth and charles jacobs is a normal preacher he's a he seems really into the word of god and he and he so he speaks to jamie and and they understand each other it seems like
0: yeah from a very early standpoint it's that idea of you know the young kid charismatic late 20 something early 30 something and they just they have this connection at the beginning he calls it the fifth business which is a film term that idea of the character that comes into your life and shakes things up right um but then as the fifth business does he disappears several times he comes into jamie's life and then goes out of it and and before Charles Jacobs really like
1: takes over the narrative, um, or before he's even the most main character, um, there's this great bit where as Drew was saying earlier, he's joining this band and and learning how to play guitar and he's um he's falling in love with this girl. And it's and Stephen King in his like I think one of his best modes is when he's like getting you hooked on the narrative and on the character. He's giving you this something that you want, like you want, you kind of want to be a rock star. Like let's, let's be serious. Like everyone kind of has a back in their mind. Like that would be kind of cool. Yeah. And so as this kid starts to learn guitar, you actually are kind of rooting for him. Like, you want him to get better at guitar. You want him to be in a band that's cool and you want him to get the girl.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: so there's this awesome, um, moment where he sort of starts like kind of getting the girl, um, Early on in the novel, in the first quarter of it. We played the Grange on New Year's Eve. It was snowing. Astrid was there. She was wearing a parka with a fur-lined hood. I led her under the fire escape and kissed her. She was wearing lipstick that tasted like strawberries. When I pulled back, she looked at me with those big eyes of hers. I thought you never would, she said, then giggled. Was it all right? Do it again and I'll tell you. We stood kissing under the fire escape until Norm tapped me on the shoulder. Break it up kids time to play some music. Astrid pecked me on the cheek do wild thing I love that one she said and run toward the back door slipping ar- around in her dancing shoes
0: yeah yeah right I mean it captures everything about like what it's like to be young, stupid, in love, like, in the way that the best rock and roll songs do. Yeah.
1: I And, and he has that ability. I mean, it, like I said, like, I don't actually kind of want, I don't want to break down how he does it because mm. it's ineffable. It's something that we really would never be able to say if we knew we would do it.
0: Yeah. And this novel, especially the first two thirds really hook you in a way that. But that's that's the problem with the last third. And what's often
1: the problem with the last third in later latter Stephen King is that that ultimately his populist notions or his plot notions take over. And, like, the last third of this book is, like, he had to finish the book and not, like, it's not character-driven. It doesn't feel like the same characters that you were following this whole time. No. They're they're sort of reacting to the situation, but the situation doesn't feel organic to the characters.
0: I mean, this novel, when you look at the dedication page and you see that it is the great, the masters of of horror and, quote-unquote, speculative fiction before speculative fiction was a thing... You know, I mean, everybody. It's Shirley Jackson, it's H.P. Lovecraft, it's August Derleth, but it's also this sort of rogues' gallery of second-tier authors, and he's he's writing a not like there are characters who show up in it's- the last couple of pages who are named like Mary and Shelley, and yeah, you're like and Victor, and you're like, ooh, I-, I wonder what we're doing right now, right? And the main character is obsessed with electricity,
1: yeah. And so there is this
0: element of like, this book is him tipping his hat to all the things that have come before.
1: I do not know an author other than Stephen King who disappoints me <laughs> and I am still rapidly expecting his next book.
0: Oh, I'll agree with that. Yes. like Chuck Re- Palahniuk might be the only other one. It's not on the same terms for me, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't even name another author
1: who I, who has disappointed me as many times as Stephen King has, who I will go back to the next one. I think that he is a gift and a treasure. And I think that anyone who criticizes him, I get it. Like I get, I get you. Like, it's just like I was saying about Lena Denham last episode. It's just like when you're putting out a body of work like this, you will be criticized. Yeah. And and you're asking to be criticized. But at the same time, when... And sure, like like we're saying, Revival is unsuccessful ultimately.
0: But, but the I pleasures that they're, you they're, get while yeah, you're reading it. Yep.
1: They're the right there.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And it's it it's what will keep me going back to his work until, may it be, many, many moons from now. Until he passes like, from this earth. He made me remember my first kiss... Yeah.
1: And like like revel in that for a minute.
0: Yeah. That those are the simple it's not it's not the scares although those stick around, but it is that ability to recapture those m- more simplistic moments that you wish you could remember. Right. He jars them loose. Mm. Do
1: you want to what are you recommending this, this two weeks?
0: I'm taking a, a, hard, a hard left turn. Okay, great. Um, going to both sci-fi and graphic novel, uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Saga.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which, sort of, I guess, in the same way that when you read a Stephen King book, you're immediately immersed in this universe. Right. Saga from the first panels of the first issue And it it was just uh, recently, I think at the end of last year, released in a hardcover omnibus of the first three trade paperback collecteds, which Uh is the one that I read. You're like, you're in this world, it's sci-fi, there's all sorts of stuff.
1: I heard Game of Thrones meets Star Wars.
0: Yeah, that's a great example of it. I mean, it's this thing where you sense that Brian Vaughn, it was like, all right. Here's what I'm imagining. Let's go forth. There's this royalty, and they are these guys who have the robots with televisions on human bodies, like televisions for heads. And this planet and the moon are at war with one another. And there's magic involved, and there's spaceships, and it's space, and it's just it's so much fun. Sold. Well, I already on it, but sold. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, what are you reading? What's your recommendation?
1: I'm gonna recommend actually something that I. I actually was reminded of Stephen King while I was reading it because I felt like it was almost like a Stephen King novella. Um, Jim Dodge wrote this. It's like 110 tiny pages. <laughs> this novella called FUP. F U P. All right. Um, it's about a duck, but it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's honestly, you read it and then maybe an hour and it's excellent. Um, Actually, a friend of mine, my pen pal, Fuchsia Wilkins, um, sent it to me in the mail, like, along with a letter once. Like, that's how tiny this novel is. I don't think she had to spend much more money <laughs> to send it along with her letter. And it's just, like, it's just so enjoyable and so much of what fiction can do.
0: Um. Anyway.
1: Yeah, next week, uh, we're actually going to be talking ab- about...
0: More abstract. Yeah. Yeah. See you then.
1: Yeah, see you then.
0: Now when it was a young man, he never thought it'd see. People stand in line to see the
1: boy King. I know. Yeah, I, I uh I uh, there <clears> that that should be the beginning of
0: the <laughs> episode <laughs>